Hey everybody, Fran Forcella. Welcome to another World of Basketball podcast. By the way, if you missed yesterday's March Madness special on all the international kids playing in the NCAA tournament, go back and listen. We had a lot of fun with a lot of guys we've interviewed over the last nine months, and many of them are playing on really good teams in the tournament. And uh, guys like Luca Garza and Kofi Coburn and Associate Head Coach of Gonzaga, Tommy Lloyd, they were all part of our special, so go back and listen. Uh, hey, World of Basketball is a part of the Sirius XM Podcast Network, so make sure you've got uh, your Sirius XM app. You can go back and hear all of the great shows we've uh, recorded since, uh, since the springtime. We're heading towards 50 shows, and get a chance, rate and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. We'd really appreciate it. We've got two great guests for you today. Um, Josh Giddy, who's 18 years old, and he's essentially a six foot eight point guard playing in Australia's NBL. And uh, he's trying to do what LaMelo Ball did a year ago, which is go right from the NBL to the NBA as a big point guard. And uh, he is currently rocking as a kid that's really, really young. Uh, 10 points a game, six rebounds, six assists. He scored in double figures in his last seven of eight games. He's had five double-doubles already, and he is definitely projected right now as at least a mid-first-round pick, and who knows, as the season unfolds, maybe even higher. We'll have to see how that goes. But we've had a great conversation uh, with him just a, a week ago, and we're going to introduce you to a young man that you're going to need to know a lot about as we get ready for the NBA draft and his future as an NBA player. And after that, we'll bring on a guy who literally was our first guest on the initial World of Bath Basketball podcast, Andrew Gaze, one of the all-time great international players and arguably to many the best player to ever come out of the country of Australia, uh, five-time Olympian, NBA world champ, final four with Seton Hall. But more importantly, he has watched Josh Giddy since he was a baby, really. He played with Josh's dad on the on the great Melbourne teams, and uh, he has been Josh's coach. And so we'll finish up this podcast with Andrew Gaze's thoughts on Josh Giddy. Remember the name. Here is our great conversation with the 18-year-old phenom. First of all, welcome to World of Basketball. I'm so glad to get a chance to talk to you. No, awesome. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, you... You are playing professional basketball in the NBL right now in a program that uh, we've highlighted on this uh, podcast before called Next Stars. And uh, it's really a program designed to uh, take, take guys like you, LaMelo Ball last year, um, RJ Hampton last year. Prior to those two guys, Terrence Ferguson came over to the NBL. It wasn't really Next Stars then, but it was a similar situation. And so let me ask you, how's your first professional season going? No, it's been awesome. I've loved it. I mean, it's obviously hard coming in um, as a point guard, especially to a, to a grown man's league, because you kind of got to lead and boss older guys around, which can be hard and, and pretty daunting at times. But um, my teammates were great. They kind of embraced me and, um, you know, welcomed me with open arms. So it's been a really easy transition from, you know, the junior level into the senior level. And I've, I've had a great time so far. But, um, you know, we're not even up to the season yet. So there's still so much time left and I'm really enjoying it. I can't wait to ask you about a bunch of things because you kind of came onto the scene late. It's not like people knew about you at 15. You kind of, you had some coming out parties, I think, right? Uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I was pretty, yeah, as you said, I was fairly unknown until maybe 
a year ago from now. So um, no, I've been a pretty late, you know, like developer in my basketball. So um, yeah, it's pretty crazy. Well, let me. We're going to get into all that. Um, what's been the? You're playing a lot of minutes, and I've watched you. You're you're. Uh, you know, you've done some really spectacular things for someone your age. I know you're humble about it, but what's the biggest uh, surprise been to you playing so many minutes in the NBL? Well, I think I think the fact that my body is kind of handling it well. I think I thought as an 18 year old, you know, it could be easy for me to get smashed around and you know be be bruised and sore. But I think you know, as as you said, I'm playing a lot of minutes and my body's holding up well. You know, it can be tough because we're playing games so second third day and for a lot of these older guys it's hard because as i said they're older and you know their bodies need a bit more time to rest but for me um as a as a young kid still it's um it's better for me i think because i can keep going back to back to back and i think that's what allows coach to keep putting me out there for, for you know a lot of minutes um throughout the game so i think that's been the big surprise for me and you know the physicality of this league is is real and i think as you know um it's a tough league to play in so um yeah i think i'm holding up well you are holding up well because I my Aussie friends do not mess around. Uh, yeah. The guys I know that have played basketball, they're not afraid to throw their body around. It's very uh, physical and competitive. I'm sure you're yeah. finding out, right? Yeah, for sure. Are you getting any trash talk from older guys? <laughs> I did um, in the first preseason game. Um, I got a, a lot of it. You know, guys yeah. were kind of rest were giving me a few calls, and then guys were talking to me, talking to the rest about it. So I, I've got a fair bit of it, but it, you know, it's all part of the game, and I love it. That's great. You know, one thing I've noticed about young players, uh, whether it's Europe or Australia, um, you, usually it always helps to have some good veterans. Yeah. And I know you, you're obviously being the youngest guy on your team. Donald Sloan is a guy from Dallas, uh, and I yep. live in Dallas now, who I know has been a pretty good mentor to you. He's played in the NBA. He's played around the world. What's a guy like that tell you? or uh, How has he helped you? Let's put it that way. Yeah, no, um, Donald's been, he was great for me while he was here. He was only here for, for a short stint, but um, even before he got here, we were, we were talking constantly, just, you know, he was helping me out, giving me little tips, but then it was even better when we got here because it was actually funny. One day after training, I kind of just, you know, took my shoes off and sat down and, you know, Donald came over to me. He's like, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, we're finished practice. And he's like, no, get up. And, and he took me over to the, to the fire court and we got in a 40 minute workout. And by the end of it, I was dripping sweat. So um, he kind of showed me, you know, how, what, what it's like being a professional and, you know, it's not just the the team practices; it's the other stuff. You know, the workouts before, the workouts after, and and ever since then, I've been you know getting shots up after, before practice, and he kind of showed me that that um, there's more to it than just the the team stuff. Uh, since he's left, is there anybody else that's that that you kind of gravitate to that gives you uh, kind of mentors you a little bit? And you're playing for a terrific coach who played in the NBA. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, Connor Connor's had a big impact on me. I mean. As we talked about earlier, it's going to be hard for a coach to throw an 18-year-old out as much as what he does for me. And, you know, for him to have that kind of trust in me and, and belief in me, is, it's pretty cool. And it kind of gives me confidence. But um, he's been working with me a lot, him and both Jamie Perlman, our assistant. I, I get up shots with them a lot. So um, they've been great. And then the vets on the team, you know, Daniel Johnson, who's one of the best players in this league, he's been awesome for me just because we play so much pick and roll together. We're constantly talking and, and figuring things out. So um, he's been massive for me. You know, let me just mention to our listeners, Connor Henry um, played on the Boston Celtics with yep. some guy named Larry Bird, Kevin McHale. Don't know him, Do you ever ask him about those guys? Those were a long time ago for you. Yeah. I, I, I didn't – I mean, as you said, I know all those guys, of course, but I never actually saw them play, and I never saw Coach play. I, I've seen a few highlights and stuff like that, but, no, nah, he, he always goes on about how good of a shooter he was back in his day. Yeah, those guys were older than Andrew Gaze. That's how old they are. 
Uh, I know it's lazy to do this, but uh, some people compare you. They obviously compare you to Ben Simmons at a similar stage. I know you've heard that a lot. They, you know, they, they uh, a lot of people are comparing you to Luka Doncic, obviously. Um, I, I would imagine you watch those guys because they are big playmakers. Um, and if you do, what what are the things that you look for? Because you kind of play similarly. Yeah, no, I do hear those comparisons. But, I mean, it's obviously hard for an 18-year-old to, to be compared to Luka, who's someone like, you know, an MVP, one of the best players in the world. But um, I'll take it with a grain of salt. And it is cool watching those guys. Obviously, Ben, because he was from Australia, he was kind of similar. I oh, know I'm not going to say similar to me because he was much better than what I was at, a year ago, two years ago. But just, you know, seeing these guys that are, that are taller point guards that can make plays for other guys is, is what I love doing and, and what they love doing as well. So, um, I try not to watch it too intently. I kind of just, you know, put on the games and, and specifically watch Luca and Ben and um, try to take little parts of their game and, and see what I can implement into mine. But um, no, it, it is fun watching them. Then obviously Ben being an Australian um, is a bonus as well. Yeah. Is there anybody else that you watch that you just like to watch and play or they play similar to you? Joe Ingles is probably the – he's one of my favorite guys to watch, obviously. As you said, pick and roll, my favorite to play, his favorite thing to play. So um, we, we talk – Constantly, he's always giving me advice. So, um, Joe's yeah, Joe's one of my favorite guys to watch. Oh yeah, Joe is. Uh, I, I I can watch Joe in pick and roll. Joe Angles all day long. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. The uh, I, I jokingly say this to young young players and coaches. He's one. He's he may be the slowest guy in the NBA, but he's crazy slow. Like he's so yeah. slow, you don't know what he's going to do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> when you're hey, so now here's what I've always wondered. Um, I've always had a fascination with passing. I, I was a short point guard and I, I love throwing no look passes or, you know, throwing passes to teammates. Didn't even realize they were open. And then the ball hits them in the, in the, in the face. How did yeah. you develop, like, how do you develop your, your dad played and we'll talk about that, but you're nothing like your dad. Your dad was yeah. a tough, you know, not, not more of a tenacious kind of player, but how did you develop your passing skills? Is, is he, it, it can't be just drills. Yeah, I don't know. I honestly don't know. People always ask this. And I think it was when I grew up playing as a junior, I think my dad always coached like a team kind of system game. And it was always move the ball, get guys looks. And I always ran the point guard his teams. And I think within the offense, I found little ways to, you know, find trick kind of plays and to, to find guys when they weren't ready. And I started throwing passes and I just tried to started taking risks. And I noticed as I got older, they started paying off. And I realized I could thread needles. I could throw balls where, you know, before guys I even realized they were coming. And I think it just progressed as I grew. I could see over the defense, and I think that's what's really helped me uh, today. It's just I think I have a really smart understanding of where the play is going to be before it actually is there, and I think that that's what allows me to um, get guys the ball in the right spots. No, I love guys who do that. I want you to wa- I want you to start watching Kate Cunningham. Yeah, because Kate is going to be very similar to Ben and Luca, and you'll play against him uh, hopefully for a long time. But Kate has that sixth sense. He. Yeah. He, sees, he sees all five defenders. It doesn't matter what they do. Yeah. Like, and I know I've seen you do exactly the same thing, throwing cross court hook passes and, yeah. you know, and hitting and throwing it to shooters away from where you're going. Um, I got to ask you, how do you feel? I mean, you're 100% now, right? After that nasty fall earlier in the year? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that was a few weeks ago. I'm, um, yeah, I'm perfectly fine. Yeah, that was, that, you know, that was, uh, that was about to be a spectacular dunk, I think. <laughs> it was. It went in, but, um, yeah, I didn't really yeah. stick with it. Yeah, you came down hard. That's right. Um, yeah. When, be, okay, let's talk about this. In, in 19, I think it was, two years ago, you play in the Australian Junior Championships. 
And that was really your coming out party, right? Yeah. And had, had your dad played professionally. Had anybody, I mean, had anybody really talked much about you prior to that, even though your dad was pretty well known as an NBA? Your dad played nearly 500 NBL games. Yeah. No, I was um, unknown. I mean, I think it was before the Australian juniors. It was an under-18 national championship in Australia. So all the best states kind of come together and, and play. And that was kind of where I uh, made a name for my stuff. Before then, I was completely unknown. Like no one had heard of me. And, and I think that's where I made my kind of name for myself. And then that Australian thing did help because we, we went to um, New Caledonia, a small little country, and um, we played against New Zealand and then a few other small countries. I mean, the competition wasn't great, but it was just the fact we we're playing for Australia and um, we won a gold medal over there. So I think those two tournaments were probably, you know, where I made a bit of a, na- a, bit of a name for myself and kind of, um, kind of showing people my talent. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool because so, so many times somebody comes up through the ranks and they're already well-known and you wonder if they're going to keep working to get better. But I have a feeling you kind of – that would probably, I would think, drive you, right, to continue to improve. For yeah. sure. I mean, because all the times I, I got cut from, you know, those teams I was trying to make, it kind of out of fuel to the fire. And it could have been easy for me to, you know, just throw in the towel and be like, all right, basketball's not for me. But um, I stuck with it. And I never thought – a year ago, if I told you I'd be where I'm at today, you'd be laughing. But it's um, it's pretty crazy – to see kind of the development I've made from this, uh, 12 months ago to now. Yeah. Um, like a lot of kids uh, in Australia, you, you had a hard, well, you had a hard decision to make because you were getting recruited by uh, a lot of colleges and universities and a lot of people who had connections to Australian basketball. Like I, I know my, my buddy, Nate Tomlinson, I'm sure he spent yeah. time recruiting you. And of course, Arizona, I think Baylor was involved, right? Yep. Did you know who Aaron Bruce was, by the way? Yes, I do. Sean Bruce's brother. Okay, yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. Aaron came to – I watched Aaron when he came to Baylor 17, 18 years ago when Baylor was the laughing stock of basketball in the States, and now, of course, they're one of the great programs. So you had great choices, and you could have gone to a lot of places, um, and you decided to cast your lot with the uh, next stars. First of all, how hard a decision was it, and let's – how hard a decision was it to, to make that choice to not come over to play college and just go right to the pros? Yeah, it was um, it was really hard because all I wanted to do as a kid was was go to college and get a Division One scholarship. And then um, after a few good tournaments, I had some I had a few different options of where to go. And then I took a visit to Colorado, uh, where Nate is, and I spent a couple of days on campus and, and I loved it. I was I was ninety nine percent committed there. I was going to get home to sign my sign the um, the contract, but um, I got home and then I started talking with some people and I started weighing up. I kept tossing and turning. Was it NBL? Was it going to be college? And then eventually I made the decision to stay here. Um, I was really comfortable in Australia. I, I spoke to a lot of you know people I trusted and I just thought playing against grown men at such a young age would fast track my development. And I think I made the right decision and um, I'm really happy I, I did stay here. How much did your family help you with the decision? Your dad was a professional player. I think your mom was too, actually. Yeah. So how... Yeah, how, what was their feeling about the, the pros and cons? Yeah, exactly. Um, I was just about to mention that. They didn't really push me either way. I mean, at the beginning, mom was really, really adamant on me going to college. She was talking about the experience and, you know, all that side of the thing. But um, they were really good that, with the with the whole um, kind of process with it. They weren't pushing me college, professional. They were kind of giving me both pros and cons. And I took them on board and, and thought about it, thought long and hard about it. And, um, you know, I decided the NBL. Dad was kind of, in the middle, he didn't really mind what I did. But as I said at the start, mum was really pushing me towards college. But then she kind of fell into it and, and was like, you know, it's your decision. 
whatever you want to do, we'll support you. And um, that's what they've done. They've been with me right through the whole thing. And um, yeah, that's where I've ended up. Now that you're playing a lot of minutes and playing well, are they are they pleased with your decision? Yes, I'm like yeah. to think so. That's good. That's really good. Um, your dad played with Andrew Gaze. Uh, I know they're they're very close. Uh, you've been coached by Andrew, and I think his dad too, right? Yeah. Well, what's the what's what's Andrew Gaze like? We we've had Andrew on, and he's been a friend for a long time. What's Andrew meant to you and your family? Yeah, Andrew's been um he he's been awesome for me ever since I was ten years old. He was coaching me, and he still coached me right up until six months ago. And then, um, him and my dad obviously have a really good relationship, playing together for a number of years. And then, me and Andrew's son Mason were in the same team, so that's kind of how our relationship works. And then, um, even when I left the the junior program with the Melbourne Tigers, me and Andrew still worked out. So we this off season I was with him every day. We were we were in the gym together. Um, getting shots up, working out. So he, Drew's um, had a massive impact on me. That's really good. You know, uh, he told me growing up when his dad was coaching, they their house was really part of the gym. Yeah. So he would be in the, he would be in the gym all hours of the day and night. I'm wondering, do you like? I, obviously, you're a basketball junkie, but how much time away from practice do you get to go in and and just work on things on your own now? Yeah, I mean, as I said to you, um. I, I did it when I was at the Institute of Sport in Canberra. We had access 24-7 to the to the gym and we could go in there whenever we want. But then when I kind of got to Adelaide, I um I was it was just team practice because I didn't really I can't drive yet and I couldn't get around and I didn't want to ask guys for lifts and stuff all the time. But then I texted, I had I think I had a bad shooting one night and I texted Jamie and I said, We've got to, you know, I gotta get in the gym with you every morning. And ever since then we've been working out all the time. One of my teammates, Sunday Detch, he he comes down and he's been great for me. Um, so I'm in the gym a lot now with um, with both coaches and teammates. That's cool. Um, you mentioned the Global Academy, or, or really the the Global Academy is at the Center for Excellence. Yeah, correct. You you did you go? Were you ever in the Center for Excellence, or were you always at the? Because it's the same thing almost, right? Yeah, it's What's the uh, yeah the Global NBA Global Academy and the you know the Australian Center for Excellence, even though it's in the same location. Yeah, it, it is. It's all at the Institute of Sport, which has the Center of Excellence and the Global Academy, but. Yeah, as you said, it's the exact same thing. We just we train together, we do everything together, except for when the overseas overseas trips come uh, overseas trips happen. It's just the NBA academy that goes, and then they might you know put in a few guys from the center of excellence in there. But it's um it's all the same thing. But when I got in there, I was NBA academy, and then maybe maybe ten months into my thing, I kind of converted over to the center of excellence. But I still did all the trips with the global academy and all that kind of stuff. It's just. It's just a different name, but it's yeah, it's all the same stuff. Now these guys are probably older. We've had we've had Santi Vescovi on. Yeah. Uh, we've had uh, Jonathan Chamochachua from Baylor. Yeah. These guys were probably ahead of you, right? Francisco yeah. Parabello. Yeah. They were already gone by then, I think, right? Well, um, Jonathan was gone. Santi was there for maybe a couple months while I was there, and then uh, Farabello was. He was there for maybe a few months as well, so I got to know um, Farabello and Santi for a little bit. But they um, they left pretty early on when I was in college and, and doing pretty well. Um, yep. You went to a, I, I'm familiar with these tournaments in Europe. Uh, you guys went to Spain Correct. and in the, uh, the Hospitalit tournament, yep. which is a big deal. Yep. And uh, you got the MVP, but more important than the MVP, what was that experience like? playing against other of the top young players, in this case, mostly Europe. 
Yeah, no, it was awesome because the only international ball I played was was only ever against Americans. And it's a complete different play style from, you know, European to American. I think the Europeans play similar to what we play in Australia. So it was fun to play against that. There were a lot of system ball, um, you know, move the rock side to side. But that was really fun. I mean, there were some of the top teams in Europe. We played against Barcelona and some of the top teams in Europe. And it was really good. I, I loved it. Um, the officiating was something that we really had to kind of deal with because they let a lot of stuff go over there. And um, at the start, it was really tough for guys. They were getting in foul trouble all the time and and things like that. But um, now we adjusted and we um, yeah we we won the tournament as you said. Yeah, how much how much did the academy help you just from a fundamental standpoint with Coach Clark and uh, yeah you know, Coach Cape Horn? Uh, what what kind of basketball environment is that for somebody like you? Yeah, it was massive for me because going up to the when I first got there, I wasn't overly skilled at, at anything. I was a good passer, but that was basically all I could do and. And um, they put a lot of time and effort into me. And and Marty, Marty and uh, Adam Capehorn especially were, were two big, two big pieces for me while I was there. And I and I took advantage of them. I, I always got in the gym with them, and I always um, worked out with them. And, and it was good because they focused a lot of a lot on you know player development and skill development. I think that was big for me because I needed it. And um, yeah, that played a massive role in where I'm at. What's it like when your name starts popping up on these mock drafts? Is it exciting? Is it nerve wracking? Well, it, um, it is exciting because. I never, as I said, a year ago today, I was dreaming about these things. I always saw all these people that I used to watch in high school on mock drafts. And I always used to be like, you know, I wish that I wish that was me. And I used to never think it could be a realistic you know, possibility. But, um, you know, it has turned into one. And uh, it, it's cool to see. But at the end of the day, the mocks mean nothing if, if you're not playing well, because, you know, you can be so high on a mock, but then you can play bad the rest of the year and it doesn't doesn't help you in any way. So, um, yeah, they're cool to see your name on it, but you just got to keep doing your thing on the court and keep playing well. How do you how do you judge yourself now as you're playing in the NBL, which is a solid league, there's no question, versus like, hey, you know what? If things fell right a year from now, I might actually be playing against the uh, Milwaukee Bucks tonight. And has, have you, has that sunk in? Yeah, look, it's um, it's crazy. I did an interview a few days ago, and I have like a poster in my room of all the best NBA players. And I always used to – and they asked me about it, and I always used to look at it and think, you know, I wish I could be up there playing against those guys. And um, I keep going back to it, but – a year ago, two years ago, you call me absolutely crazy if I said I, I had any chance to do it. And I probably would have called myself crazy because I wasn't that good. But, um, you know, as it comes more more of a realistic opportunity for me, it is, it is pretty surreal to think about that I could be out there playing against, you know, the Bucks, as you said, or, or something like that. But, um, look, I, I'm not there yet and I've still got a, still got work to do. So, um, you know, I won't, I won't stop till I do get there. What are the things that you're working on? I know, I know your shooting can be a little bit more consistent, you know. Yeah. And it will be because you have great form. What are the what are the things that you're specifically working on? Obviously, you want the 36ers to win as many games as possible. But personally, what are some of the things that you can keep getting better at? Yeah, I think shooting shooting was a big thing for me. Um, I work on it every day. And at the start of the year, I wasn't shooting well, and I kept missing. And, and teams were kind of daring me to shoot it, and it kind of hurt my confidence a bit because teams were going under, they were sagging off me, and I couldn't make a shot. But then. Um, there was a game, I think, where I kind of broke that open. I hit a few threes. I think I hit three or four. And, and then teams started kind of – I did that a few games in a row with Pink started you know, coming over on balls. Um, they were right up on. So and that kind of held my confidence a bit because, you know, it was showing me teams were respecting me. And um, that's kind of been the big thing for me. It was just a mentality thing. You know, when I miss one, I got to think the next one's going in. And I always used to think I had to, like, you know, kind of guide it in and make – I was thinking, you know, what are people thinking about if I miss the next shot? And – and um, once I broke that kind of mental barrier, I think it's it's kind of helped me go to the next level. Uh, we talked about this earlier, but I want you to uh, amplify on this. When you come off a ball screen, 
what are you what are you looking for? You you come off of you know if, if you run a ball screen play, what where where are your eyes? They're up. I mean, it, it kind of def- depends what the screener's defender is doing. If he's in, you know, if he's dropping back, I'll, I'll attack him and make it like a two-on-one game with me and yeah. my big. And then if he comes up and shows, I'll probably get get out of the on-ball quick. So then we got an advantage. But um, yeah, as I said, it's just kind of reading what the defender screen is doing. Yeah. How about film-wise? You watch? Does your does uh does coach uh, Henry yeah. watch a lot of tape? Yeah, I, I do watch a lot of tape. Just just kind of working on those reads and. And, you know, there's times where I, I make the wrong read and I try and dribble through it or I, I try and make the wrong pass. But it's just it's about learning, learning what I did wrong and kind of not letting it happen again. You're getting a chance. Um, you're getting a chance. Well, let me, let me back up. I want to ask you about something I didn't ask you before. When I saw you, I think it was in Houston when you came over with the Global Academy, right? Was that the USA basketball stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Um, what was that? You guys got to go to one set of games, I think, maybe the Saturday of the Final Four. Yeah. When you walked in and saw seventy thousand people, was that crazy? Crazy. It was. Un- it was unbelievable. I-, I didn't realize how big college basketball was until I actually got over there and saw it for myself. When you played, uh, did you play against anybody you remember that's now in college or the NBA? Like any American guys that stood out to you at all? Or, um, well, we played. RJ was there, and then there was you know all the top guys like um, Cade. I think Jalen Green might have been there. I think Evan Mobley was there. So I think a lot of those bigger names are the that are there now, um, we played against back in, back when I was. They didn't know who you were two years ago. No, 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 and rightly so. If things go well, you might be on a stage in Brooklyn uh, walking up exactly. there with those guys. And they'll go, who's this guy? This guy looks familiar. You know, that's yeah. kind of cool. All right, before we get a little a, a little more, we're not going to get serious, trust me. Um, who's got better hair, you or your dad? Oh, God. Uh, back <laughs> in the day, his hair was long, and it was, it was a lot different than mine, but um, – no, I think I, I think I take the crown. What was that movie with Will Ferrell? He looks like the guy in the movie with um, Chris. Semi Pro. Well, who was that movie? Semi Pro. Semi Pro. Yeah, your dad. Seen it. I don't know if you've seen that movie, but I saw the pictures of your dad. That's who he reminded me of. Right. Uh, okay. No, I haven't seen that, so I'm actually not sure. I have to check it out. It's a basketball movie. You like it? It's uh, okay. It's kind of great. But uh, how much influence? Uh, why? Why are you different than your dad? Like, how did you develop as a player? Where he yeah. never made a three-point shot in his entire career. Yeah, uh, I, I don't know. I actually have no idea. I mean, he, <laughs> um, he he's really good at teaching offense and teaching skills. But you know, as you as you know, he wasn't overly great at it when he played. So I think that's the big thing that he's learned from from playing to coaching. And he's passed all these. You know, like he was a really smart player, and he's passed that kind of on to me. And, and as I said earlier, he he teaches a really system-oriented offense where guys are moving the ball, and you've always got to pass, cut, screen. And I think it's just translated from me from a young age to where I'm at now. And he, um, but no, he, he's had a massive impact on my life. He, he always coached me hard. He never, you know, he was my son. It could have been easy for him to kind of just let me do my thing, but he coached me really hard right from a young age. And I think it set me up for the, for the better for where I'm at today. You had some days after practices where you guys didn't talk like for a couple hours. Oh, some, oh too many of them days. Yeah. <laughs> after games, practices, it was a lot of them days. Yeah, my wife used to have a rule with my boys, like, don't talk to them for at least 15 minutes after a game. And yeah. we were in the car, and that never worked. You yeah, know, ever. Two minutes. Know. Why'd you throw that pass? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's exactly. That, that's cool. Um, all right, you also, um, all my friends who I know from down under, uh, playing for the Boomers is the biggest thing going. Like, and the pride yeah. pride is amazing. Uh, yeah. And by the way, I do a lot of international basketball, and you'll remember, you might, let's see, 
16, let's see, 16. So you would have, you know, how old were you in, in 2016? Uh, 14. 14, yeah. So you remember when there were two bad calls against uh, Australia in this yep. game against Spain. I do. There yep. two really horrible calls and Spain won the bronze. But uh, what's it like when you have gone to the camp, uh, to the national team camp and now you're on that 20 man, 21 man list? What's yep. that feeling like knowing there's a possibility you could be going to Tokyo? Yeah, look, it's um, it's it's unreal. When I got the first call from from Brian Gould and telling me I made the squad, that was kind of I didn't even know what to say. It was just a phone call I wasn't expecting, or I didn't even have Gorge's number saved. Right? I said, "Who is this?" And he's like, "It's Brian Gorge, and congratulations, you made the squad." And I didn't really know what to say at the time, but um, it's it's pretty cool to see see myself with those guys like Ben, Patty, Joe, who take so much pride in wearing the green and gold, and and it is it does mean a lot. I, I've only wore it twice. I've wore it at a junior tournament, then I wore it in that. The boomers game in the in the qualifiers but um it is it's awesome to be on the squad and um you know we'll, we'll see what happens from here whether it's a there's a camp or, or what happens because of the COVID stuff and guys all around the world it's going to be tough but um yeah we'll see what happens and hopefully yeah. i can be on yeah. that final tour going to tokyo it's going to be cool uh we had aaron baines on our show also and aaron was just yeah. talking about how much pride he has like he doesn't matter how long the nba season he said i'll be in tokyo even if it's like the day yeah. um yeah. how how why well, this is hard, maybe hard for you to answer at your age, but why do you think when you were with the national team, there's a culture of togetherness and toughness and teamwork that's kind of special? Did you sense that when you were when you were there with yeah. them? A hundred percent. They they take so much pride in in wearing the the green and gold jersey. And I think I think personally it's the biggest honor that you can have as an Australian. And and um I think those guys kind of set the bar for it. And and the boomers culture, it's always talked about and, and the way they play, they always play tough, hard, and um a together kind of brand of basketball. And I think guys like Patty and Joe, and they they've really kind of put a lot of you know effort and time into the green and gold. And it's passed down to to kind of the younger guys. And it's it's right through even younger than me, guys kind of know how special it is to wear the green and gold. So they've done a great job of kind of setting that bar. That's that's really cool. It's gonna be and 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 you're likely, if you stay healthy, we hope we know you will, that you'll be part of this. Boomer team, maybe for I don't know, maybe fifteen years. You know, maybe. hopefully, yeah. Uh, Andrew played in five Olympics. Yeah, I know, crazy. He also told us that he'd rather an Olympic medal than an NBA ring, which he has. Yeah, yeah. it tells it tells you something. Do you have a? I I know I think I know the answer, but do you have a favorite team you root for in the NBA, or one that you'd like to be drafted by, or doesn't matter? Uh, I don't. I actually don't have a team I go for, or um. Like every every time someone asks me where I want to be drafted, I never I can never give an answer because I honestly don't know and I honestly don't really I don't I mean I don't care I don't want to say I don't care but I don't mind you know to be honest as long as I'm kind of in the NBA um I'm not I'm not overly fussed from Boston to LA and anywhere in between Sacramento or Phoenix or yeah. Dallas it'll all be pretty good yeah That's really cool well listen Josh we 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 wish you the best um, we're excited that you got a chance to come on uh, and uh, let me pepper you with questions. And yeah. I'm sure I'll see you when you get to the state somewhere. And sure. uh, we wish you all the best of luck the rest of the season. Stay healthy and uh, and good luck because you got a great future ahead of you. Awesome. Thanks, Eastman. Thanks for having me on. Well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with uh, with the 18-year-old rock star, I guess, uh, Josh Giddy. Uh, great kid to talk to. You can just tell uh, how excited he is about his future. I want to segue a little bit now, as I said at the beginning, and bring on, just for a few minutes, the great Andrew Gaze, who probably knows this kid, Josh Giddy, as well as anyone. 
Um, and a lot of, about 40 years ago, there was an 18 year old star in, in the Australian professional league that had similar success to this young man. He's known Josh his whole life and he'll have a great perspective on Josh Giddy, the great Andrew Gaze. Uh, Mr. Gaze, we have it. We're having you back. Uh, Last time we had we had you on the show, we just had a great time talking about your career, Australian basketball. And there's a young man that you know quite well that you've been following for a long time that uh, we just had on our podcast moments ago by the name of Josh Giddy. Yep. And uh, I, I just want you to tell us before I ask you about his background and how you know him, because you go way back with him to birth, I think, pretty much. Uh <laughs> Give me your impressions of Josh as an 18-year-old rookie in the NBL this year. Well, it's been quite phenomenal. He's um, he comes up, he plays with great poise, incredible maturity. He 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 has a lot of veteran characteristics about the way he plays the game. Um, early on in the season, he demonstrated in a game that in clutch moments, he's not afraid of the big moment either. Um, at 18 years of age, he's able to lead a team. He's got an incredible basketball IQ. And as such, his transition from playing junior basketball into senior basketball has been absolutely seamless. And he's, I think, playing uh, above most people's expectations. And those expectations were really high. But I think in many instances, he's exceeding those expectations. So it's been a, a delight to watch and see his progress. I, I'm sure there are not a lot of similarities, but given what LaMelo Ball did last yeah. year and to see him in the NBA right now doing what he's doing, is Josh on that trajectory at all? Or, Well, the, the, the numbers, if you want to just compare the numbers, there are a lot of similarities. And in fact, a lot of similarities about the question marks that LaMelo had uh, when he was playing here in Australia and before the draft. Similar, there are similar question marks about Josh. Uh, the, the, the question his jump shot. In fact, I think his uh, technique and his jump shot is a little ahead of where Lamelo is. Uh, having said that, I'm astounded at the way in which Lamelo has been able to shoot the ball <laughs> in his rookie year. I did not expect that because the technique looked a little broken. Um, whereas Josh's technique is not broken, but certainly needs work. And um, I, I think that you, you see what LaMelo has been able to do and the similarities also are in that self-belief and that self-confidence. And the way in which that he works with his teammates has the ability to make his teammates look better. Uh, he plays a pass ahead of the game. All those things uh, make it a, a good comparison. The only thing I'd say is that uh, LaMelo probably slightly ahead in, in raw athleticism. But um, but Josh is from a basketball IQ standpoint is as good or if not better at the same stage Lamelo was at. You and uh, you you well you played with his dad. You've known yeah. his family forever. Um, the hair is similar. I think I think Josh has better hair than his dad. That's just yeah. my opinion. But you you coached Josh in in juniors. Did you see this coming? Uh, we always thought that he was going to be a great player. I think because of the athleticism, like he is a good athlete, but when you compare him to NBA athletes, it's it's a different comparisons to make. 
So when he was younger, he always had good size. He was a right-hander that played predominantly left-handed. Um, and he had uh, – he always played as – we always played him as a point guard throughout his juniors. And he had a good growth spurt from the time we would say 14 to 16. He had a, a, a big growth spurt. So he's ended up – right now he's about 6'8". And um, – but because he played more as a point guard and had point guard instincts – he developed those other skills. And sometimes when – because I coached him, I like, really young and until he was about 15 in a team environment and then more recently just doing workouts with him and, and trying to help him with his shot. But um, during those really formative years, uh, you know, we, we weren't sure exactly what he was going to be. His dad was six seven, one of the elite passers in, in our game. His dad – played uh, for three different national teams. He played uh, rugby league, rugby union, and with the Australian junior team in basketball. So he, he comes, he's got some real mean sort of can take a hit type streak in his DNA. So all those things um, throughout his juniors, we, we uh, weren't exactly sure where it was all going to fit. Um, but because of the versatility and the positions that he played and the education he got, I think it's held him in good stead. You know, Brian Gorgian says he remembers when you came up uh, and that you were 17 or 18 year old, years old when you played for Melbourne and your teammates adapted, adopted you yeah. right away. They knew how good you were. It seems like this 18-year-old has done the same thing. Uh, absolutely. And um, you, you look at what he's done in the, the Adelaide. He plays for the Adelaide 36ers and um, they've got an American coach, Connor Henry, um, and who's had experiences, more recent experiences, assistant coaches in, in the NBA level. So he knows the NBA game and the style of play, I think, is going to help in that transition when Josh gets an opportunity in, in the NBA. But uh, he's got some veteran guys around him and some stars. You know, Daniel Johnson in our league uh, is, a, is a superstar. Brandon Paul, who you'd be familiar with just played in the NBA, played with the Olympiacos, been all over the place. He's just signed with him, with the Adelaide 36ers. And, um, you know, the, 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 he has fitted in uh, well beyond his years. As an 18-year-old, to be playing at that level and to have that uh, respect and confidence in his teammates is very uncommon. I was lucky when I was coming through because two things. One, I had my dad as my coach. So that always helped. And as two, I played alongside Brian Gorgian, Bruce Palmer, Al Westover, guys that went on to become legendary coaches in our league. So I had four or five coaches. And I guess because they uh, had that mentality, that mindset, that they were able to adopt, adopt and embrace and instill confidence in me, which helped. So and I think there are those similarities we see with Josh as well. It's a, it's a strange summer because of the NBA season and the Olympics yeah. almost colliding. Is there a realistic possibility that he will be on the Boomer squad when they hit the to Tokyo? I'm lobbying for it. I, I think it'd be yeah. a, I think it'd be a fantastic addition because he does have versatility. Yes, he's a point guard, but with his size, he in the NBA it'd be a bit different when you consider the, the the talent that you're up against with some of the players at the Olympics. But he can guard one through four, no problems. And when you look at the way, the nature of the game these days, and you've got uh, a six-eight guy that can guard because of his IQ, a little guy, but when you switch, 
he can still get in front and physically deal with some of the bigger guys. That is a tremendous asset. And you would remember um, uh, going back, and I think we've got a – I can't remember. It was um, – it wasn't Athens, but you remember when Ricky Rubio came in as a seventeen? Absolutely, yeah. The Spanish uh, Be- Beijing. Beijing, yeah. It was Beijing. Beijing I thought yeah. it was. I was thinking yeah. it's not that. I was thinking it was Athens. No, but no it was Beijing. Oh wait, oh wait. Yeah. yeah, I think Ricky was seventeen or eighteen at the time. Yeah, and he's this right? young kid coming in. I see a similar type role with Josh in that same mold where he's got these veteran superstars around him that can nurture him. And and but above and beyond that, I actually think he can help. He can help the team right now. That's cool. You you have so many connections to basketball in the states, friends, former teammates, coaches. You're you're a legend in, in obviously both places. Have you had friends call NBA people calling you yet to oh, just? There is not a. Um, I would have taken calls from eleven or twelve different NBA teams. Uh, it's not their head coaches, it's their guys that are doing the grunt work on the ground, they're calling. And, and they, they, they certainly ask questions about his game, but as you would appreciate, they see enough. They're, they're going to see enough of him and dissect his game to an inch of its life. So it's more about the questions, more about his upbringing, his work ethic, um, socially, what he does, all those other things, because I think his game speaks speaks for itself. So it's, uh, yeah, there, there's been a lot of interest and as they do their due diligence, they're, they're coming to me because I spent so much time with him uh, throughout those formative years. And, and more recently before, when we were in COVID here, he, we were working out on a daily basis. So um, I know him well, but I guess also I'm incredibly biased because as you mentioned, Fran, uh, since he was born, he, he's, He's been around, so I've known him for such a long period of time. So I think I think to wrap this up, uh, we're talking with Andrew Gaze, the uh, the legendary Andrew Gaze. It sounds like to me that you like all these guys, Ben Simmons, Patty, Joe Engels, but that, that this kid could be the second greatest Aussie ever to play behind <laughs> Andrew Gaze. <laughs> Let's hope so. You do like his potential uh, going forward the next 15 years. Oh, no, no doubt about it. There is a lot, a lot of talented players, and you see it day in, day out with all the kids coming through internationally in the States, the athleticism. But this is a package that you don't – he he falls into a much narrower field of skill sets. And I think because of that, he is um, he's going to get a lot of interest. He's going to play in the NBA, and it's just a matter of time and when and who with. And uh, he's going to be a very good NBA player because of those those skill sets and the way the game's played these days. If he can develop that jump shot, then who knows? Maybe his reputation may go beyond <laughs> uh, the Australians that you've mentioned. Well, listen. Anytime we get a chance to talk to you, it's our pleasure. And uh, again, you'll always be our first guest on the uh, on the world of basketball podcast so uh, it, please please, uh, please stay safe and healthy we'll, we'll we'll check in with you again maybe at the end of the NBL season see how things are going yes and and, uh, and, I, I, and while we're in this um, self-adulation <laughs> stage and looking after ourselves and talking about how good each other is, I've been loving yeah. the work you've been doing covering the um, I think it's the big 12 and, and big 12 is we get yeah. here on you, you, you that that voice is 
famous yes. in Australia because you bring great insight into the game. So really appreciate Thank the work you're doing there. Well, we both I think I think the one thing we have in common, we're close to the same age. We also have the same love of the great game of basketball. So, you look a lot younger, you. but that's okay. Yeah. That, well, thank you so much. And we'll, uh, we'll catch up soon, Mr. Gaines. Thank you, Fran. I appreciate it. Well, hope you enjoyed this Aussie Down Under episode of World of Basketball. As we tell you, every week we try to bring you uh, from a different place in the basketball world. Again, if you missed yesterday's March Madness special, go back and listen. We have great content from some great guests who are – going to be kicking butt in uh, in the NCAA tournament the next two weeks in Indianapolis. Remember, World of Basketball is part of the SiriusXM podcast network, so check out SiriusXM, uh, the app. Get it now. Download it. And again, rate and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts if you like what we're doing. We love bringing really good, fresh content uh, to you every week, and we're having a blast. Um, I don't know where we'll be next week, but I guarantee you we will bring you to another place in my world of basketball. Serious XM Podcasts.